Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein, and with me as always is my own personal gur, Garen Randazzo. Will being teleported to our doom be fun and Christmassy? <laughs> and everyone's favorite mini moose, Chris Randazzo. Tuna is worth nothing. <laughs> we here on this week's episode talk television. Uh, and we got a little we got a little holiday this week. Chris, you chose our show, and it's always a joy to get some some Invader Zim on my television. <laughs> uh, we're going to be pretty much talking about most, probably all of Invader Zim, but specifically uh, Season 2, Episode 15, The Most Horrible Xmas Ever. And I say Xmas and not Christmas because it was, it was, it was referenced in the show. Yes, it, the the title is spelled out Xmas, and they say both Christmas and Xmas in the show. Yes, yeah, they do. It's that one point where it shows up on the screen as Xmas, and Zim just looks and goes, Xmas. <laughs> there are so many little things in this show, like, um, like the the my like okay, so so it, it's a Christmas episode. <coughs> Invader Zim trying to take over the world, blah blah blah. Normal stuff. It's all. It's well, before you go any further, it is worth pointing out this was the series finale. Oh really? That wasn't. I thought. Oh maybe it's just listed as a season three. I didn't open it up because. Uh, what's that? What's this? IMDb. Yeah. IMDb. Yeah. There was there was like a planned season three. You can uh, see some animatics of it on the the DVD sets and whatnot. But yeah, this was the last episode. Oh well, what a doozy it was. <laughs> okay. There is a scene where he captures a Santa Claus or, a, you know, one of those guys ringing the bell on the street. Mm-hmm. And he's got him strapped to this table and he's extracting Christmas information from him. And, uh, and Excuse me. He's extracting Santa data. My mistake. I, I apologize. <laughs> but as the Santa is talking, the guy's eyes keep going lazy, <laughs> crossed, <laughs> and he'd blink and they'd reset. And then one would slightly shift off to the right. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Excuse me. It's the simple things in life that bring me joy. I mean, this this one is it's really it's one of the best episodes in the series, as far as I'm concerned. It's it's so it, it it's so fast. Like, is Mini this supposed is to be for children? Example. You know. I think that's why this show got canceled. I mean, look, it's... I don't know who thought it was a good idea to give Jonan Vasquez a cartoon on Nickelodeon. Because, you know, this was fresh off of his success of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Right. Which, if you've never read that comic, is... Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> I th- not family friendly. Oh, not at all. At all. 
I forgot but, I actually mean, how yeah. not family friendly the show has. Like there were some seriously like scary images in this. Oh yeah, with the, with the Santa monster and whatnot. This some <laughs> this show is full of some very disturbing stuff. I, I it's really really quite strange that it existed on Nickelodeon as long as it did. But uh, so so right towards the beginning of the episode, he's. Yeah, he's ringing the bell and and he, he's talking to Mini Moose. <laughs> Mini Moose. Me. <laughs> and and then when you the scene where you're talking about when the, with the Santa, he's like, "What is that? That's that's Mini Moose, my other sidekick. Yep, been with me the whole time. <laughs> like they just, he's just in the beginning of this episode, the last episode of the series. Mini Moose is just there. He has never been in any episode prior." <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> it is this it only appears in this the last episode of the show, and he's just like, "Yep, been with me the whole time." <laughs> I read uh, something about Mini Moose today that uh, they were saying that they were trying to work Mini Moose in as a plot for um, season three, and when they found out that season three wasn't going to happen. Then they just snuck that line in about Mini Moose, <laughs> but that was that was a planned storyline for season three that they were gonna you know they were gonna bring in another sidekick for Zim and have him kind of be in competition with Gurr. My goodness, that sounds <laughs> I, remarkable. The, the the like the I don't know the the backdrop of the the story which which is that robotic snowman telling Ooh. these weird children oh a story God. like. I think it's, is it two million years in the future? I think it was three millions. It's million. I can't remember. It's millions. It Let's Something million that. years ago, <laughs> this happened, when, blah, blah, blah. When Zim is finally taking, or, you know, his plan is sort of coming to fruition, and then they sort of break back to that storytelling, and that little kid's like, mm -hmm. I don't understand. What? Puts it? And that then, is one of my favorite <laughs> jokes. He just picks in all him of up history, by the head, it's... like a piece of furniture, and quietly slides him under the chair. <laughs> that kills me. That is one of my favorite jokes in the world. It is because there is a beat pause. I mean, it's got to be two or three beats actually, and he's just looking at him. <laughs> Just staring at him, picks him up by the head like he's a piece of furniture, slides him under the chair, and keeps on going. There's, you... uh, there's just so many like good visual gags like that you have to really be watching for to uh, to see them. Like there's the bit with the uh, the vampire doll that the, the oh, sister God. is missing the, the its head, and she thinks the dog ate it. And at the end, they reveal like. That her brother was playing with a, you know, some kind of transformer beam and beamed the doll's head onto a fly. And that whole setup of, like, complete absurdity that has nothing to do with the story and you could pull it out of the thing wholesale is solely so that when he reveals that information, you get to see the the doll's head on the fly and it's this big, like, expression <laughs> with it, a wide-open mouth of shock. And it's hysterical. And it has nothing to do with anything, but thank God they put it in because it's great. <laughs> oh. oh, and every, all the bits with Dib's dad. Uh, I like, I, he really does not like Santa Claus. <laughs> you have full access to my anti-Santa arsenal. I that I when built I when I was a child. <laughs> I built when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
All right, so the 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 imagery of the I don't know the morphing Santa Claus costume that Zim is wearing. Yes, the this gelatinous suit, which again one of my favorite lines. It's my favorite part when it gets all jiggly, <laughs> jiggly. <laughs> oh, this show. Huh. <laughs> uh, huh. Okay. All right. Whew. Okay. The when, like the the suit, you know, starts being more holiday esque and and taking over Zim's body, and the little boy next door, they're fighting and whatnot, and he captures the little boy and he puts him in the jingle jail <laughs> to the jingle jail with the non-believer. <laughs> And it's a little jail cell made out of candy canes, and Dib tries to break out, and he does in seconds, because it's actually made of candy canes. Put him in the real jingle jail. Why did you put me there in the first place? <coughs> oh my goodness. Uh, there's, there's, it's just a jo- it's joke after joke in this episode, and it's, it's, it's friggin' and it's- brilliant good writing it's good dialogue there's good sight gags and there's good like the there's asides too like you know like when um he's explaining the suit to uh what's his name dib Dib. Dib. yeah he's explaining the santa suit to dib while he's in disguise as an elf and he's like uh you can't do that it's evil and he's like isn't it <laughs> just so and quickly. These, like you don't see asides like that on a show like this, or you know, I don't know if there is another show like this. That's true. There really isn't another show like this. There's way too much, for, like for even for a grown adult to compute as this show is. Like watching it twice was not enough for me. Like I know I could watch it a third time and still catch more things that will make me laugh out loud when normal like especially on Nickelodeon like it's just mad cartoons and whatnot (laughs) this fired intensely throughout the entire 27 minutes that it was running non-stop this was the cleverest I mean as far as I'm concerned as far as cartoons this was the cleverest and most unabashedly not aimed clearly at kids' cartoons since Ren and Stimpy. I fully agree with you. I still... Were they not, like, similar in time as far as when they aired Ren and Stimpy in this? Uh, no, this was... This must have been... Actually, yeah. I'm going to answer my own question. I saw that this aired, this aired in 2001. Yeah, this was... So, big, 15 years 15 ago. Years. But Ren and Stimpy was definitely longer ago than that. For yeah. some reason, I guess because they're so similar, similarly absurdist, oh, yes, I they're... associate them in time. Oh my god, what I wouldn't give to see John Chris Felucci and Joan and Vasquez in a room together. <laughs> what kind of insanity would the two of them come up with? I the, when okay, I haven't watched Invader Zim in a long time, and I think it's on Hulu now. So I started. I just went right to this episode, which is the last episode. And then, for some reason, as opposed to switching shows, like when you're done with a show on Hulu, like it'll switch mm-hmm. to another show. This went right back to episode one. And it <laughs> show, And I sat there and I watched like the origin story. Of, oh, episode oh. one is so good. <laughs> I, I think the, the premiere episode of Invader Zim is, is probably the best episode. 
in the series. I mean, that whole premiere thing was just ridiculous. It's so good. It's so funny. The introduction of Gurr and it's everything. I mean, there's a handful of episodes that will always stick out to me. Like, you know, obviously the premiere and Zim eats waffles is brilliant. <laughs> I just brilliant. Uh, Postulio, the the zit episode, uh, a room with a moose. <laughs> I do like the fact in the first episode that Dib is the only kid to realize that Zim is an alien. And defiantly... His skin is all green. Like, what, do you think you're going to be made an old kid next? How's it going? <laughs> like, it, it's... So, the situations that come up are, like you said, are so absurd, but are so funny with like not taking the absurdity too far where it just becomes stupid this is it it treads that line so well and it's it's a f- it's kind of grounded in reality in a way it's almost at like I, I feel like in some ways dib is the protagonist and that you know this is a story that could have come out of a kid's brain about like this kid at my school who was really an alien who was trying to take over the world like that's kind of how it's written I, I could buy that. I could see that. And wow. and there's also a lot of social commentary. Like, I mean, this this came during the Bush administration, and President Man is this like <laughs> completely complete idiot hick. Yep. Um, it's there's all yours. so many episodes. Where there's a lot of stuff in this show that points to the unwashed masses as just being these slack jawed yokels, and. Uh, there's there's a lot of that throughout the entire series, like a lots and lots of gluttony, lots of just commercialism and and really really biting commentary against how idiotic <laughs> the general populace, how how idiotic the Jonan Vasquez thinks the general populace is, and uh, it's it's really something. It's really something to watch. Like this show is incredible for for a multitude of reasons. I mean, I think it's gorgeously animated for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very smartly written. It's very fast. It's absurd to the to the highest degree. Uh, it's eminently quotable. Uh, for example, in our household, uh, a, a another word for really needing to use the bathroom is saying that we have a mighty need, <laughs> which is a quote from this show. Where a point where uh, it was, I think it was the episode where um, uh, Zim was was it the one where he was collecting all the organs? He was in he was at school and uh, he, he was he needed to use the bathroom so that he could like get out of class mm-hmm. and he raised his hand and said, Miss Bitters, I have a mighty need to use the restroom. <laughs> also, tuna is worth nothing happens every time we put tuna on the grocery list. Like every Tuna? I, tuna is worth nothing. <laughs> and see, and a this... room with a moose happens all the time in our house. Like uh-huh. so many lines. There there's such and for as ridiculous and absurd as this show is, there's there's so many touches of subtlety in it. Like, right before that tuna line happens, he looks into his his little collection plate, and there is a there's human heart. A human heart. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like that weird theremin sound in the background of like things are not quite right because he's looking in there. And there's a human heart in there. At one point in time, at that point in time, he sees the Santa far away, 
and he grabs Moose and uses him as a set of binoculars, and he's looking <laughs> straight into Moose's ass and using Moose's <laughs> eyes to zoom in. I mean, the, if you okay, if you have the ability to watch this show, watch it. If you have the ability to show to watch the show two, three, or four times, watch them again and again because you will catch something brandy new every viewing. I mean, even stuff that's like so blatantly obvious, you don't even realize how funny. Like the joke when he kid when he first kidnaps the Santa in the mall, mm-hmm. and he. It's like this huge production. Like, Gurr makes some giant distraction. His suit opens up, and he screams at the top of his lungs, Quickly! Before someone notices! <laughs> but the things that Gurr is asking for, one of them is to dance naked. <laughs> and a table made of cheese, and a chair made of cheese. Holy shit. My cheeks hurt. <laughs> I'm really glad you like this show. I, I couldn't remember if this was like a show that you had an irrational hatred for or if you well, enjoyed I see this, this show. I could see this show being bipolarizing like that. Or polarizing. I definitely. <laughs> like, I, it, this is not for everyone. You need to have an appreciation for the absurd to like uh, Den Vader Sim. You really do. And, and I agree with that wholeheartedly, but I don't think... This show just has, you know, regular fans. It has <laughs> avid fans like yourself and myself, and then those that hate it. Like, there's no, mm-hmm. yeah, it's seen it's not that bad. Like, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of people that were on the fence on this show. I think it's like, either you get it, or you look at it like, what in the world is this supposed to be? And there is a good possibility. It's the kind of thing. Go ahead. It's the kind of thing that you recommend to somebody, and if they don't like it... They, if they don't get it, you're like, oh, oh, we used to be friends. <laughs> it's like Don Hertzfeld's rejected. It's a great litmus test for the, the level of insanity that your friends are. You know, That's how we how tested close... our friendship. <laughs> it is. I, I lent you that DVD and said. Depending on how funny you think this is, that's how good friends we're going to be. <laughs> My spoon is too big. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Don Hertzfeld's rejected is why we're married, basically. <laughs> you see, it's a solid litmus test. It really is. Yeah, because if you can, if you watch that and you just say, what the hell did I just watch? What even is this? Then chances are we're not going to get along. <laughs> Banana. I've said that to you <laughs> over the years. Yes, you have. You have said I am a banana. And I have said my anus is bleeding. <laughs> For the love of God! And all that is holy! <laughs> oh my goodness. See, and... and <coughs> Shows like this... I don't... I wonder if this wasn't on Nickelodeon. Like, what was... In 2001 and 2 era, What? where was... Where could this have been where it could have done better? This was better? in the Nicktoons block. Oh, where it could have done better? Yeah, because I don't... I, I don't know that it could have done a lot better. I know in its first season it did remarkably well which is i think why i got a second season Uh, the thing with with nicktoons and stuff is that 
it, if the bottom falls out, it falls out quick. And okay. this, I, I don't feel this was a show that Nickelodeon higher ups thought had a long shelf life. You know, obviously they're still making money off of marketing, but it's not something they've really tried to go back to the well for because at the end of the day, this is one of those crazy experiments that could have become a phenomenon like Ren and Stimpy, or it could have just been, you know, the life cycle of a Nicktoon, which, you know, two seasons, it's about right for this kind of a show during that era, you know, but it did, it did well enough for itself. It was popular enough to get another season. And, uh, then the, the bottom kind of fell out. And I, I think that had a lot to do with, if I had to venture a guess, I'd say it had a lot to do with uh, the higher ups at Nickelodeon being like, I don't know that we want this on our channel. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't know that this is the right thing for our audience. Like, they obviously the Nickelodeon execs have a taste for the absurd. I mean, Ren and Stimpy was True. a legit phenomenon for them. Like, and you know, to an extent, something like SpongeBob is also th- it's it's theater of the absurd, but it's you know more cuddly theater of the absurd. And Vader Zim is at its core about conquering, and like, <laughs> there's there's a lot of there's a lot of dark imagery in this show. It's, it it is not friendly. And I I guess when it comes to Nickelodeon branding, I I would venture to say that this had, this show's cancellation had more to do with branding than ratings. Cause I don't think it was the audience that they were targeting that was watching it, but people were watching it. I mean, the merch was all over the place with Mm -hmm. this. Like they had a hit character in Gurr. You know, Mm -hmm. this is, it was a big deal. So yeah, this was... um, where was uh, Adult Swim at this point? Was it thriving? Was it just starting? Because it doesn't seem like quite the right fit for Adult Swim, but it seems like maybe a better fit than Nickelodeon. I think Adult Swim would have been a great fit. But I mean, the other piece of the pie with Nickelodeon is that they, they'll let go of a property of theirs over their cold, dead hands. And, you know, Adult Swim is a Cartoon Network property, and they're in start competition with Nickelodeon and Nickelodeon doesn't have an equivalent to Adult Swim. You know, I just meant not. that if, you know, if it wasn't a Nickelodeon show, if it was just Joan and Vasquez shopping it around and Cartoon Network had happened to be, pick it up, maybe it would have gone on longer on Adult Swim. Well, I, I, I agree. I definitely agree. I think this I think this actually would have fit in with Adult Swim, especially around that time very well, because uh, Adult Swim was kind of split into two different parts, you know, you had, well, I mean, you had something like Toonami, which was, was at the time, you know, right now, Toonami is this late night uh, part of Adult Swim mm-hmm. uh, that plays anime. But uh, before, Toonami was kind of like a primetime anime thing. Then they switched over after Cartoon, at a certain point, they switched over, Cartoon Network switched over to Adult Swim, and that was all the adult cartoons. Mm-hmm. And then after the adult cartoon block, they switched over to an adult anime block that was just part of Adult Swim. And because they were cultivating that anime uh, fan type stuff with their shows like Aqua Teen and Sea Lab, I feel like something like Invader Zim would have done great. It would have been a fantastic fit for Adult Swim. Um, well, this came, this show aired at the same. Adult Swim was like started in two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Was was putting Zim on Nickelodeon possibly to counter? The, the programming that was happening on Adult Swim because was that was there anything else on Nickelodeon of this ilk? I mean, I, I don't I don't think really, but I mean, outside, outside I don't, of I mean, Ren and, Ren and Stimpy was Nickelodeon, right? 
Yeah, but that had been that had been gone for a long time, and I would venture I would venture to say that the success of Ren and Stimpy had a lot to do with why they took a chance on Invader Zim in the first place. Again, just for the general audience, I sound I may sound like I know what I'm talking about. This is conjecture to the highest degree, based on what I know about the inner workings of of Nickelodeon, particularly. I, I I'd spent a lot of time with Nickelodeon's handling of Ren and Stimpy and the way they fired John Crisfalusi and Spumco and. Uh, there was a lot of drama behind Ren and Stimpy uh, for a, a lot of a multitude of reasons, um, and Ren and Stimpy is a really interesting story. And the fact that it did eventually find second life on Spike, only to get canceled really quickly because it turned out it really wasn't very good. All those years <laughs> later, uh, boy, those new episodes of Ren and Stimpy were just heartbreaking. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. The reason I would I would counter that. It would your the hypothesis that this was designed to go up against the kind of stuff that Adult Swim had was because this aired at such a different time. I mean, this was essentially a Saturday slash Sunday morning cartoon for for Nickelodeon. This was airing during children's shows time slots, whereas Adult Swim was very clearly after kids yeah. went to bed. You know, and um, it seems like that this that since Adult Swim is just getting started at the same time as the show is on, it maybe would not have occurred to a creator that there was another place other than Nickelodeon for this show to go because, you know, Adult Swim had not yet become the big hit that it did become. Exactly. I, I would really, really love to know how how exactly Jonan Vasquez got in got put into contact with Nickelodeon of all networks to make an animated series. It like we, we laughed about it earlier about it. You know, this is the guy that was famous for Johnny, the highness homicidal maniac. How in the world this guy went to make a, essentially a children's cartoon that was not really a children's cartoon is, it is really a fascinating thing to look at from just a, just a sheer historical standpoint. How did this happen? And, that it lasted as long as it did, and that more kids weren't like seriously scarred from watching some of this stuff. <laughs> I mean, there was an episode where Zim was stealing people's organs, mm-hmm. and he was just obese because he was stuffed with livers and like human body parts. He was full <laughs> of like. That, that is grotesque. <laughs> it's hilarious, but. <laughs> <coughs> I, I, watching the the first episode over again, I remembered things like I didn't really catch where he was sending like the the planet that he comes from is called Urk, and, yes. and it makes so much sense because Zim is is irksome, like he is an angry and he pisses people off. He's a tiny little gnat of a character that is constantly angry, constantly. <laughs> Operation Impending Doom Two. <laughs> I, well, I'm I uh, I'm pleased that we got to watch this again. It makes me happy. I'm 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 glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoy this every year when we watch it. <laughs> is this your it is this your Christmas show? <laughs> it's part. It's, it's, it's part of our Christmas routine, along with Die Hard and Christmas Vacation and Love Actually. Nice Muppet and Christmas Carol, Muppet Family Christmas. What's your Muppet one called again? Um, a very, very merry Muppet merry Christmas. Muppet, that's it, yeah. Very merry Muppet Christmas. And the Doctor Who Christmas specials. Of course. All of them. And Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Well, we talked about all this stuff on our show last year. Yes, we did. 
I think we spoke about everything that we just you just mentioned. <laughs> <sighs> so there's your little Christmas treat from from me to our this week's episode audience. Watch this show. It's weird. Yeah. It's a gift that keeps on giving. <sighs> All right. Um, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk some news. All right? Stay tuned. Guess who's back? This week, Brandon is joined by his apathetic enthusiasm co-host, Travis Menard, for another foray into the world of the Twilight Zone. The pair takes a look at a season two episode with a dramatic twist. That's a stage play pun you won't really appreciate until you listen to, to Submitted for Your Approval, Season 2, Episode 9, The Trouble with Templeton. This month, the Waveback Podcast examines music from a unique and uniquely frustrating game from the NES era. Join Vicky and myself, Chris, as we roll our way through the soundtrack, navigating its hills and valleys and avoiding obstacles along the way, like marble munchers and acid pools and great music by David Wise. Check out Waveback, episode 34, Marble Madness. The holidays are almost here, and I need a drink. Whenever I need to know what I should drink, I usually turn to Geekade's imbibing scribe. This month, Hunter Wilde has thoughts about what happens when a small brewery gets bought up by a larger operation. Is triple Carmelite still worth drinking now that it's no longer solely owned by the monks who've been making it for over 300 years? Find out in the imbibing scribe, Triple Carmelite. Disney's latest big screen offering seems to be its most successful yet. The ocean is calling, but should you be listening? Dawn Blake reviews the colorful characters, vibrant backdrops, and foot-tapping music in Moana, an adventure located in the Think Tank. You can catch all this great stuff plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more right now at geekade.com. And we're back. Thank you so much for looking or listening to our commercials. If you only I can't believe we didn't sing the Jolly Boots of Doom song. <laughs> bow down bow down before the power of santa or be crushed be crushed by his jolly boots of doom Uh, jingly bells jingly bells we wish you a merry jingly Uh all right let's talk some news for some uh, apparent reason or unapparent reason to me they're putting Dick Van Dyke back on television colorized yeah I, okay it seems to be a whole lot of effort but it is CBS so um, CBS has <laughs> taken two well, allegedly two of the best Dick Van Dyke episodes colorizing them and putting them on TV again I, I don't know how I like I feel like this is kind of a waste. I mean the colorization looks pretty good, but Yeah, I mean I think that's 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 the part of this I think is interesting is that they um they they the process looks so much better now. I, I still don't know that it's necessary that it's necessary. Um it is still kind I mean it's kind of impressive mm-hmm. how good the color looks now as opposed to what colorization used to look like. Yeah, that halo I wish I knew more like. I wish I knew more about the process, honestly. Um but I, I what, what they said in the article was that this is 
theoretically opening this up to new audiences of you know younger people that would immediately be turned off by the fact that it was in black and white. But which they're putting it. Fuck on, you, younger audiences. They're putting it on CBS after sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. So that could, not really you know, a that, great that younger could audience. Be the slot. most wrong spot to put that if you're trying to get that a, great lead-in <laughs> with all those kids watching sixty minutes, the hot show. <laughs> I don't know. It, you're right. It does look good for the process. For colorization. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it still doesn't look quite right to me. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at the skin tones. It just doesn't look right. But at the same at the same time, I mean, this was, um, I believe I read in here that the, the guy that was working on this is somebody who used to work on the colorizing stuff back in mm-hmm. you know, the Ted Turner colorized classics days. Yeah. In living color. Great, great, <laughs> great sketch. <laughs> Man, Jim Carrey made a great Ted Turner, didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> Ted Turner's colorized classics. Ah, oh, good times. Um, but yeah, I mean that stuff looked like garbage back then, and this doesn't look this doesn't look like garbage. It just looks a little off. Um, and I do think it's weird that they're doing this. I know that they want to do more, and they you know they they mention in here that the show was originally written very intentionally without a lot of pop culture references at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, true. It is true. Some of the comedy in this show is timeless. It's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a weird story. I do like the fact that they, in the article, they stated that they had the ability to actually film in color, but they chose not to because it would cost 7000 more dollars which would then wipe out their profit margin. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's seven thousand dollars. Seven thousand. Seven thousand dollars was enough to make a difference on a TV show back then. Where seven thousand dollars is barely their 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 cost of covering grips or something right. for an episode. Well, if you if the entirety, let's say they were to have filmed it in color, the entirety of the episode filmed in color would have cost forty seven thousand dollars. There are actors on TV shows who would not get out of bed for $47,000. That's how far we've come. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Let's let's talk. I'm curious as to how you feel about this this next one because you guys have have cut the cord pretty much, right? Pretty much. All right. Um Apple there's rumors that Apple is going to be getting into the streaming business. Um apparently their new uh Apple TV update does uh, mm-hmm. has a new app on it that searches multiple streaming services for content that like you you say uh, hypothetically speaking let's say you happen to be watching Gilmore Girls and and you want to continue watching it streaming you just say Gilmore Girls and it tells you it's located here 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 and here and then you choose where you want to watch it apparently within that listing Netflix is not an option. Yeah, that's that's interesting to me. This this story actually kind of caught me off guard because I hadn't noticed it uh, on our Apple TV. I never go into uh, we we have a handful of apps we use, and I've never really gone into the TV app that they're talking about. Um, I do think it's interesting that Apple has been rumored to be con- considering this for a good long time. But when I'm reading this, I'm like, this sounds awfully familiar to me, and and there was. Th- <laughs> Of all places, when the Wii U launched, really, there was a service 
built into the Wii U called Nintendo TV. And it did this. Interesting. You had your Hulu, your Netflix. Uh, you would connect your cable service to it. Like you, would, you would tell it what your cable service was and where you were. And all you would do is like say, I want to watch Rocky Five. You type it in there. And if Rocky Five was on Amazon Video, Netflix, Hulu, uh, or showing up on cable anytime soon, it would tell you what channel, when, and, and how to get to it. Like, that was a few years ago when the Wii U launched. Now, that service has since been completely removed from the Wii U because nobody was really using mm-hmm. it because why would you? Well, on, it was just on, ahead on of the curve. Wii U console. Really... Uh, yeah, we, it, was, it was both ahead of the curve and completely not marketed properly mm-hmm. um, and not implemented as extraordinarily well um, because the system, it's, it, it, it was a while ago. The streaming services have come a long way since then. Uh the, this this article seems to postulate that uh, the reason it was omitted was because Apple's thinking of getting into the game themselves. Mm-hmm. I think it has a lot more to do with uh, Netflix not coming to an agreement that works for them. Because I, we've heard about these kinds of things before where, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll jump on this game as soon as it becomes profitable for us, mm-hmm. uh, as soon as it's, it's a more acceptable deal and... I feel like I can't remember what specific story it was, but I feel like Apple and Netflix have butted heads before in the past or some big company and Netflix have butted heads before based on some sort of just ridiculous profit margins that somebody has that wasn't acceptable to the other party. That seems to be that seems to make a bit more sense to me. I I, I can agree with that. And I'm all of the streaming services have their own thing like that makes them viable. Netflix is leaps and bounds ahead of in my opinion, ahead of all of them so far. So this this app combining a bunch of them together to get me to the level of a Netflix service, I, I don't I don't see the benefit of it. What what is it what is there to take me away from, you know, just having my Hulu and Netflix? Like, it, it sounds like this is a really good app for people who don't have Netflix for some reason. I, I, yeah, I also think that this is, I, I, I think, so So the way this works, at least it, uh, according to my eyes, and it is very strange that Netflix isn't on there. But, for example, the way that we're using television right now is we have um, uh, Sling. Mm-hmm. But then there's other channels and, and services that aren't part of Sling, like, say, ABC, for example, mm-hmm. is not part of Sling. So when we want to watch an ABC show, we open up the ABC app. Mm-hmm. Or if we want to watch uh, NBC, uh, NBC is on Sling. But let's just use that as an example. Say you don't have Sling. You get, you get your TV through buying st- buying occasional episodes on iTunes, or you have, you know, you just use the regular apps for everything between ABC, NBC, CBS, AMC, all that stuff, because these channels have their own apps now mm-hmm. what this is working as is an aggregate for that so if you want to buy an episode or rent it through itunes or see if it's available for free on all those different apps it's basically just combining all of that business which seems to be something that makes a lot of sense for current television like this this looks like the kind of thing that you're looking for for things that are currently running as opposed to things that are on netflix which are never currently running because they all drop at the same time or it's legacy content that they've gotten onto netflix you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i feel like this service is really aimed towards stuff that is currently running so the omission of netflix it doesn't seem like it's a complete no 
backbreaker for this service because the stuff that you're going to get on Netflix, you're either not going to get anywhere else Mm -hmm. or is available through other services in one way, shape or form because it's legacy content. I, and I don't know why when my first read through of this, I felt like it was an aggregate for other pay apps. Yeah, like the NBC app, the ABC app. Like those, I know if you have cable service, a number of those services, a number of those apps are free. Mm-hmm. But, but then there's stuff like HBO and CBS whose apps are, you know, proprietary right. and are paid for. I don't know. I like... It's just we like why would Apple put this effort into something that other people are making money off of? Like well, I mean, they- I think it's also it's 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 basically you can get all those apps on multiple devices. Mm-hmm. This is something that is available on the Apple TV. This is some this is this is for Apple to entice you to watch all of these things on your Apple TV because it's centralizing all of that content. So you're still paying for Hulu and stuff, mm-hmm. but instead of having to switch between different apps to watch all the different things, you have this one program that you can search through all of the available content to you and then choose it that way like you're switching channels instead of opening an app and closing another one. I'm going to have to do some more investigation. Still not 100% on how I feel about it. But within Yeah, I'm going to have to give it a try. Within this article it does state that Netflix is spending a shit ton of money next year on content, which makes me happy. Me too. 6 billion dollars. I wish I had six billion dollars. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm gonna skip in our list. I'm gonna skip the next one. We'll go back to that one uh, about the the Critics Choice Awards. We'll just wrap up with that. Um, Flip flop star. I've never heard of either of these people. Neither have I. I don't know where this ca- was. Who was this? <laughs> was this you, Chris? Or was this? It Car- was me. Have you heard of them? No. Okay. Uh, just you know. Okay. A news story <laughs> involving TV, which is what we do. <laughs> okay, so let let's let's see what we think of all this. Okay, Christina El Musa. Uh huh. Okay, and her husband are the stars of Flip or Flop, a show. I think it's a show about fish out of water. Go on. It is not. <laughs> yes, it is. No. Let's let's move on. <laughs> Okay, they're apparently they're on a show together, uh, and and they they work together on this show. It's not like they're producers or anything. They are actually on this show. They are getting uh-huh. a divorce. They are splitting, uh-huh. but they're yeah. because, and I think from my reading of this article, the divorce is hinging on the fact that she called the cops because she thought her husband was going to commit suicide. Uh-huh. Okay. During the May Gun incident. Yes. Which I think is that this guy dressed up like a Mayflower pilgrim and went on a, went on a shooting spree. That's what I think the May Gun incident Okay, Chris, uh, some people take this is. segment seriously. And this I, now I has take this ve- Do you take dressing up as a pilgrim and <laughs> and killing people not seriously? Because for a show about flip-flopping fish to go so crazy as to dress up like a pilgrim and start killing people, I would be crying and shaking, too. I think Miss El Musa was right on the money. Uh, gun violence is not a joke, Evan. I, this is very yeah. true. How did this turn around on me? <laughs> How dare you? I, I apologize. How very dare you. How <laughs> dare you, sir. I, don't, I, I, honest, I couldn't give less of a shit about these people if I tried. 
I'm sorry, this dude wanted. Uh, he was fine. He just went. He allegedly just went on a walk. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, fantastic. You know when the when the cops did come and the uh, you know get in on the situation, he agreed to give up his guns, and he had like a shit ton of them, <laughs> like just a ton of guns. <laughs> and the, I, I think the. Uh, All right, hold on. As, as just a ton. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, guns. So, uh, the, as, as comical as it is that the show is about flip-flopping fish, it's actually a real estate show about flipping houses. And I think the bottom line is, if your marriage is unstable, do not get a reality TV show about a stressful situation such as flipping real estate. Not because you're idea. probably going to end in divorce and or gun violence. In this case both yeah. i mean this is like those people who say all right our marriage is over but if we have a kid that'll make we'll it stay together <laughs> like but this is to an even more absurd degree because this is it's not a worse idea but it's pretty close <laughs> it's not a better idea so well hopefully these two find happiness apart yes best of luck and to lots them. and lots of therapy okay now i am quickly going to mention this next news article I do not want to get into it because it is me absurd neither. to me that this is actually a thing that I have to pay attention to. Apparently, President-elect Trump will be spending zero time dealing with Celebrity Apprentice. Then why are you remaining an executive producer at all? Chris, do you have That's anything all. to add in? That's my question. Uh, I believe the answer to Karen's question is money. I'm sure there's a way for him to make money off the yes. show without him like he's having his name on it. He's a he's an executive producer. He's getting paid. He could be a he could be a silent producer and make money, but then his name wouldn't be on it. And this guy is an egomaniac. And uh, yeah, no, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to waste another breath on this scumbag. Dance moms. So dance moms. I didn't know she was in trouble. I didn't either. <laughs> this kind of surprised <laughs> me. Doesn't surprise me. Nope, doesn't surprise me at all. No, I uh, didn't like her. It always struck me as a... As, I've never watched the show, but we've seen other things on this network and thus have seen lots of commercials for Dance Moms. <laughs> and this woman has always struck me as a tad on the unhinged side. <laughs> just just a tad. I will, I will concur with that statement. Apparently, she is going to jail for fraud. And... They're not going to keep doing her show. Boy, what a shame. So, okay. (laughs) Okay. Which is, I mean, it's not, going to jail isn't a deal breaker. One of the real housewives went to jail and they just kept right on going. Yeah. Well, there is a larger cast involved with housewives, though. Um, You're telling me dancing kids couldn't keep that show afloat. I'm sure they could. Uh, She faces up to 30 months in prison. (laughs) Okay. Prosecutors initially requested she spend five years in prison and pay $5 million in fines when she was charged with 20 counts of fraud. So I feel that she found her niche and stuck with it. So what these last three stories have taught us is that reality TV is a cesspool. Yes, I concur. For brighter news... um. At least I feel that it's brighter news. Karen, this would probably be pleasing to you as well. Um, I grinned so much when I read this story. <laughs> BBC and IT, 
ITV, partner up for U.S. <coughs> streaming service, and it is the best name for a European streaming service ever. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it is called BritBox. Um, I didn't realize AMC has a, a stake in BBC America, but that's kind of makes me feel comfortable knowing that. But apparently there will be a streaming service um, for us to get good BBC television and ITV. This this is the right thing. Like I, I got nothing. I mean, it's perfect. It's right. British TV. Is- <laughs> Ooh. She's excited. She's very happy. It just she scared says, me. More Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. I want you to know she did not wake up. Well, <laughs> that was a cry out in her sleep. Nice. Nice. Um. I mean, it's it's. From what I'm reading, I, I honest to God don't know how many shows are on the BBC, how many shows have been on the BBC, but um, BritBox is going to launch first quarter of 2017, and so we don't know price yet. We will when you know it gets closer to that. But it doesn't matter. We're getting it right. But it it it's going to have like. Faulty Towers and and East End. I mean, oh my God, I'm so excited like, for us to be able to watch Faulty Towers. I love Faulty Towers. <laughs> ah, you guys, I'm just freaking out. Like <laughs> this kind of situation does call for freaking out. I'm just, I'm just stating facts. So we are, we, uh, Chris, you're happy about this? Please say yes. Of course. All right, we are all in agreement. This is the right thing to do. Yes. Ah. <sighs> Now, Chris, you posted up this next one about the Live Plus 3 ratings system. Now, I was I did not know that this was a thing that existed, and I found it interesting. Apparently, the Nielsen rating service has an, let's call it an add-on to its, its listings for shows that are DVR'd and watched within three days of its original mm-hmm. airing. As well as shows that are watched within seven days of its original airing. Now, they're not weighted as heavy as those watched live, which doesn't make sense to me. I think it takes a little more effort for me to say I'm setting my DVR. I really want to watch this show. Boom. That should count at, at least as much. Um, but it shows that that Nielsen is taking into account the... the the ridiculous DVR standings that that everybody does now. I mean, yes. you have a cable box, you have a DVR, you're DVRing something. I think I'm currently DVR something right now as we're recording. So it's interesting. They're still not. We're not doing anything with streaming services. They each, apparently. I think I may. This may not have been in this article. I may have fallen down some sort of rabbit hole uh streaming services are are reliant on their own analytics so like netflix has its own analytics amazon has its own yeah they're not they're not um accountable to anybody but themselves correct um so it's it's interesting that 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 nielsen is adjusting i don't know how long this has been happening does it say in there did you note that I know they've been paying attention to this kind of stuff for at least a couple of years. I mean, we know somebody who is a Nielsen family, and 
they uh, they they told us the the kinds of stuff that they pay attention to. Like they they have like their YouTube app or whatever built into their TV, and it pays attention to that the kind of, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. to an extent. But we also know just from reading reports of Nielsen ratings that sure it's it's being looked at, but at the end of the day, they're still really judging everything on the old school mm-hmm. Nielsen. Ratings. It's still broken. But yeah, it's interesting that there is this other aspect of it that I was unaware of. Quite interesting. Um, I posted this one right before we started recording because normally yeah. right before we start recording, I go into my kitchen. I have my last cigarette before we start recording. And I was on Facebook and I am a, a follower, I guess you would say of um i don't know if it's of this show or of um rosenbaum himself but he Uh he tweeted something saying that sadly impastor has not been picked up for a third season which is a goddamn shame and apparently left season two on a cliffhanger which is an even bigger shame that's always a big kick in the balls it is I'm glad we got what we got. Um, I like seeing Rosenbaum in a, in a comedic role. I mean, I am also doing a Smallville rewatch, and he is good as dramatic role as well. But I wanted this to last a little longer. You don't like to see something you like end. It's very true. But one, I think, bright, you know, silver lining to this is it is it makes it easy to recommend a show to someone else to say oh you should check this out there's only two seasons Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that makes it a digestible uh quantity right that yeah i got you it makes sense but hey here's a here's a here's a quick little quick little something Mm -hmm. i mean yeah i'm bummed that impastor is uh is gone that was a clever show good stuff Mm -hmm. i think it was on the wrong network but you know at least it wasn't on Yahoo screen, right? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> is that the bar we're setting now? <laughs> I think so. I think that is uh, that is the bar. Um, uh, this is th- this is just interesting to me. Uh, Bob Barker, December twelfth, uh, turned ninety three years old. Holy shit! Um, I could have sworn that man was ninety three years old in the eighties. <laughs> no, uh, he was just very I'm tan. Also, I, I'm. I'm amazed, just um, genuinely amazed. Uh, that that's all. Big bucket of wind. Bob Barker is only 93 years old. I could swear that man was 150 by now. <laughs> um, and finally, uh, apparently, the Critics' Choice Awards for 2016 have come and gone, and we will. Let's just go quickly over the TV stuff. Um, best comedy series, Silicon Valley. I'm okay with that. I'm looking at the other ones. I'm okay with that. Best Actress in a Comedy Series, Kate McKinnon for Saturday Night Live. I do not agree. But in comparison, what like in comparison to the other shows, yeah, in I don't that know category, who else on that list you'd pick. Yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't pick any of those. I people. would have just given it to uh, Jonathan Lithgow. Yeah. <laughs> Best actor in a comedy series, Donald Glover from Atlanta. Jonathan Lithgow, got it. Um, I would have given it to Patrick Stewart just to see Patrick Stewart's name under comedy series. 
Uh, best supporting actor. I really want to watch that show, by the way. Like, not for nothing. I haven't caught any of it. Uh, what is it? Blunt Talk? Blunt Talk, yeah. I, I really want to catch that show. It looks hilarious. I'm going to have to check it out. I'll let you know. <laughs> I don't know if I have stars. I think I do. Maybe. Best supporting actress in a comedy series. Uh, Jane Krakowski from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I'm not. I, I Is that the main, is that the main girl? I don't know. Um. No, uh, Jane Krakowski is the blonde. She was also on Thirty Rock. And, uh, oh, I uh, like her. Allie, Allie McBeal. I like her. She's you guys, uh, this is great and all. There are you know shows on here that look good and whatnot. Is anyone else seeing the breaking news at the top of the screen? Alethic TV dad, father of singer Robin Thicke. What? what? <laughs> Alan Thicke is breaking dead. Breaking news. <laughs> Holy! You heard shit. it here first on Twepcast. R.I.P. Alan Thick, America's dad. Alan Thick is Robin Thick's dad. Yes. Yep. Wow. That's a real bummer. Aw. Jeez. Sixty-nine. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck you. Twenty sixteen. Fuck you. Yo, Bob Barker is still alive. still alive. <laughs> we were just. T- what in the? What world do we live in? What happened to this planet? Bob Barker is still alive. Alan Thicke is dead. Damn it, Barry. Stop messing with the timeline. <laughs> that is what it is. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Ah. That's really sad, man. That's damn, 69. That is. Wow. That's, that's, I, I, that's I just opened up the article. It doesn't, it doesn't explain. Well, that's a shame. We have lost Alan Thicke. So that's, this week was Alan Thicke. Last week was... Um, no, was it was it the mom from Brady Bunch? Oh yeah, yeah. Florence Henderson. Florence Henderson. Yeah, that's a that's a shame. Meanwhile, the other Brady Bunch girl was fired from her radio show for being a racist. Nice, <laughs> nice. I didn't post that show in the show notes. <laughs> no, that that story in the show notes. But yeah, since we're talking Brady Bunch, <laughs> damn. Honestly, I, I'm not even going to continue with this list. There's nothing in here that I've actually watched or. Shockingly enough, look, best, best drama. supporting actor in a drama series, Jonathan Lithgow yeah, for The Crown. That's the win. We talked all about that. That was well, well worth it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Game of Thrones won because Game of Thrones is and awesome. And I'm hearing but, uh, very good things about Westworld. I'm going to have to watch it. I think the takeaway from this list for me is critics want us to watch Atlanta and Westworld. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, critics, uh, maybe. We'll see. We got a month of uh, of no new shows coming out here, so that's also true. maybe we'll we'll dip into these. Uh, check them al- out. What this is also telling me is Louis Anderson is still on a television show somewhere. That's kind of surprising. Yes, playing a woman. Even mm-hmm. interesting. Or all right. <laughs> hey, you guys remember when Louis Anderson was the star of his own Saturday morning cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that was weird. <laughs> Louis Anderson playing himself as a child who sounds like Louis Anderson. Hey, you guys remember when Louis Anderson was the host of the feud? Yes. The most oh my un- God. the most uncomfortable host ever. Oh God bless television. Chris. Hi. Give me your spiel. That's adorable. I think my daughter just turned into a monkey. <laughs> Still not awake. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me, let me 
Uh, hack she up thinks a you're funny, though. <laughs> I'm glad somebody does. <laughs> you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook with both the Geekade page and the This Week's Episode page. Find us on Instagram at Geekade, or subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content. And follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade, or follow this show specifically at Trepcast. You can find us all individually on the Twitterverse. I am at Geekade Chris, that's Geekade K-R-I-S. Evan is at... Geekade underscore Evan. And Karen is at... Shoot underscore the underscore moon. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher. Or if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com where we post something new every single day. Yes, even Sundays. Back to you, Evan. Thank you, Chris. Um, am I mis... It's, it's my turn? It is. It is. It is. Okay. So, seeing as this the, the next episode will be the last episode before Christmas, I wanted to do one more Christmas episode. And I happen to come across this show that I don't know, I don't think we've spoken about yet. I want us to watch Eureka. Uh, okay, here, here's where it gets a little wonky. It is the Christmas episode. It is called, Do You See What I See? IMDb lists it as season four, episode 21. But Netflix has season five available, and it is listed as season five, episode one, which is. Huh. So it was a Christmas special, and they didn't know where to put it. Right. So it's on the the, the Netflix. Eureka, I'm going to say season five, episode one. Do you see what I see? Yay. I enjoy that. I love that All show. Right. Never seen it before. And this is a fun one. It goes cartoony. So, that's all I got. You guys good? You happy? Yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. From all of us here at this week's episode, I'm Evan. I'm Karen. Tuna is worth nothing. Good night. And this concludes our broadcast day.